0: Ladies and gentlemen, Falkia Rashkatri and Shomr Bjog. Welcome back to the tiny room. I'm your co-host for the podcast, Michael, and I am here digitally with the man who has been described as the man who is on the most medication in the world. It's Benjamin.
1: I'm a fluffy unicorn.
0: <laughs> Do you want to... What's wrong with you, Ben? Have you got some sort of... Have you... Have you have, I've
1: seen some sort of injury. I've only gone and fucked my back up, Michael. Um... It's all—it's all, it's all that posing nude in rigorous positions. One of positions. my favorite
0: songs by the prodigy. Prod, prod, I can't say that word. The prodigy, prod, prod, <laughs> but, but you know that band from the nineties—the English guys. The They've got very interesting haircuts. Them,
1: yeah, um, yeah. I've, I've, uh, yeah. It's, it's their famous nineteen ninety-eight tune.
0: I've gone and fucked my back up. Fucked my back up. Fucked my back up. Bam, 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 bam. That one. That was pretty good. You've used all your fucks in the first five minutes of the podcast. Well done. <laughs> well, look, it's been a while.
1: I've been itching to get a fuck in there somewhere. Very good. Um, yeah, so uh, unfortunately, I'm actually high as a bloody kite right now. Um, yeah, I've been upset, tummy. Um I have a strange sense of self. I'm a little bit fragmented, and I feel like an extra scene from uh, Doctor Strange.
0: And uh, you're drinking from a gigantic oh. bottle of water. I think that's the uh, yeah, biggest cut, single bottle of water, cut water cut I've mouth. ever seen.
1: <laughs> I've got a cotton mouth as well because, you know, <laughs> medication. So I can't feel the tremendous pain in my back, but uh, I can't feel much else either. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Anyway, looking forward to the podcast, Michael. I may not be yeah. able to give my uh, distinct brand of analysis. <laughs> no, just Maybe you're I, just uh, may off topic.
0: <laughs> Very good, Benjamin. <laughs> Stop laughing; it sounds weird. That's a new laugh. anytime someone develops a new laugh, you know something is going wrong. <laughs> Where's um, your original laugh On the, upside. Laugh
1: gun? On the up go, on. <laughs> go on that one. Uh, on the upside, you'll be much funnier this week.
0: Oh, thanks, Ben. To, to me, it. at least. To me, um, at least. Benjamin. Speaking yes. of things which are amusing, um, we 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 saw the Infinity Wars there last week. We we or did the ls the
1: L. The L War of the Infinites. Benjamin,
0: um, people have been talking about the Infinity Wars a lot. Um, you, you're you familiar with our mutual friend Shane. I am. I am. He's a, a big time fan of the podcast. Big time fan of the podcast. Um, mm. He was saying, as a, as a somewhat of a mild criticism, he was saying that Thor's little, little journey was a bit of a waste of time. Do you remember that? Thor's little yes, side the... quest to get a hammer. Yeah, yeah. Classic and at Thor. first when he said that to me, I thought, that's just a bit of begrudgery, would you ever shut up? That's yeah. what I thought to myself the first time. But then I realised he has nothing to begrudge against Marvel films, so that that, that doesn't make sense. Okay. So anyway, um, do you know Nando V Movies, the, the yes. YouTube guy? He yes. actually agreed with Shane, and he did a great, uh, a great little video, we'll throw sort of a link in the description. He did a great video about making Thor's journey a bit more meaningful oh right okay Uh, look I won't spoil it I won't Ah. spoil it there's a loss basically both Shane and Nando's points were that uh, it doesn't nothing really happens there's no development it's just Thor goes and gets a hammer
1: yeah I suppose then
0: he he, he has a hammer
1: yeah and we we get some questionable risks in terms of oh you might die if you're exposed to a star even though you definitely won't because we need you to save the third act of the film
0: kind of thing exactly yeah yeah, look, Nando v. Movie movies is a great thing. Um, so if you're listening and you like this sort of thing, you give that a listen. It's in the description below. Ben, though, here's yes. my main point, right? Um, wh- while I was watching Infinity War, there was something about it okay. that just didn't sit right with me. It, it stuck in my craw, as you would oh.
1: say. I didn't realise that you were now a boat captain in the deep I am a boat. I am a
0: salty old sea captain. It's stuck in your craw! Sir. Yes, I... I'm a seaman if you will. But Benjamin, here's yes. the thing, right? As you know mm. Benjamin, I am not a physicist. You're you're not. I'm not a physicist. Look, you're not. I'm I'm a deeply intelligent person. But uh I That's mean your opinion. I have seen almost every episode of Rick and Morty. Oh, y- yeah, I'm telling. Oh. you. Oh. But so right, look Ben, I have a physics question. It's not mm. really well it is a physics question. It's about Infinity War. Right. Infinity War takes place on a galactic scale would you say ben uh, uh, y- yeah absolutely into yeah right absolutely. Yeah. right different planets across space and time yep. well not time yet but across space at least and yep. here's the thing that here's the thing that confused that didn't sit right with me right and um, the battle happens on wakanda it yep yep then thor shows up having yep. had his own quest on wakanda during the battle and then thanos shows up on wakanda in wakanda having finished his battle on titan yeah right Mm. and all that's fine and it's all very it all works very well in the the terms of the plot i really like infinity war by the way let's we don't want this to become the negative podcast but this is just a thing so right it all happens very well in terms of the plot right the Mm. the the series of things happen thor spoilers obviously for infinity war here sure thor gets attacked by thanos on his ship And then Thor goes off on his adventure. Thanos goes off and has his own little adventure. And then they meet back up on on Earth.
1: Yeah, to have a little
0: rematch. I don't know why this bothered me in Infinity War more than any other science fiction thing. I think because of the vast distances that are involved. Yeah. But the, the film assumes... A kind of, and I'm almost certainly going to pronounce this wrong a few times, a simultaneity of events. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. Which just doesn't exist when you're dealing with those vast distances. Okay. Right, so what I mean is, right, Thanos attacks Thor's ship. Yes. And then Thanos leaves Thor's ship using the power of the Space Stone, which can teleport you instantly across any distance, it seems. Yeah, right now here's the problem it can teleport you instantly across any distance but if you teleport from one side of the known universe to another because it seems like in marvel different civilizations live in different galaxies not just in different systems within our galaxy
1: no no he's he's universe trekking so yeah so
0: if you teleport across the universe there uh-huh. is no common, as far as I understand physics, Ben, and as I said, I am not a physicist. Mm. Maybe some physicists are listening and they can explain it better. But, yeah, please, please do, if you're listening. Yeah, what are you saying, Ben? Are you trying to say I'm not explaining it well? It's not what I said at all,
1: Michael. You're you're projecting.
0: <laughs> well, my medication has turned you into a real grouch. Um, so what I'm saying is, right, that assumes there's some sort of universal now.
1: Okay, which can't right. possibly be which true. Which
0: can't possibly be true, as far as mm. I understand physics. Um, yeah. So, and then the, the further wrinkle is added in that Thanos is traveling from place to place mm-hmm. by instant portal. Yeah. But Thor uses
1: a ship. To Well, Thor uses a ship in his original quest, but then he gets the...
0: The Bifrost hammer. The Bifrost. So right. So he uses the sh- the trip the ship to get the Nid of Nidavellir. Yeah. And we have to assume that ship is travelling faster than the speed of light.
1: First of all, well done on that pronunciation, and second of all, yes, you're correct.
0: Right. Nidavellir. That's a made up word. All yep. words are made up. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so Thor is travelling. That that ship has to be travelling faster than light. So. Then the Bifrost, God knows is the Bif- Bifrost is instant transportation, is it across time and space. Who knows how that works. But yeah, the fact okay. that they both go off and have their own separate adventures and then arrive on Earth at the same now. In,
1: at the exact right now. Exactly. Um, Makes so yeah.
0: little sense to me. Yeah, it's completely wrong. It's completely wrong. And I don't know why that bothers me about Infinity War and not other science fiction. Although, I think Star Wars, or as we call it on the podcast, Stars Wars, suffers from a similar problem.
1: I completely agree with you in terms of Thor's little side quest. I think... Be- I, I, I completely agree with your theory in general. It's kind of interesting. We've never really considered it from that point of view before. Um, but in terms of Thor, thing, in terms of Thor's, in terms of Thor's side quest,
0: yes, it in makes less sense thing. than it
1: does uh, in ther- in terms of Thanos's side quest because Thanos is linked to the Black Order, right. uh, and so their failure would automatically designate that he would have to travel at the same time. And because he eventually gets the Time Stone. That he can probably shape to fit at the right moment, based he doesn't have on the
0: time stone. At that point,
1: he does after the battle on Titan.
0: Oh, he does. You're right. Actually, that's a good point.
1: He does that, but that does not negate the inaccuracy in Thor's side quest. I completely agree with you. Oh, by the way, my explanation of that is also a very convenient. Oh, he just used the time screen off camera, which I normally don't agree with. So,
0: well, yeah, there's always that. But then, if you introduce that, then the whole if if Let's say that the time and space don't let you travel anywhere and any when. Yeah. Or as as, Car- as Dr. Carl Sagan would say, somewhere else in space. Yes. Or some when else in time. Um, then why would he go to the point where Vision is most defended instead of showing up in Scotland? You know what I mean? Mm. Relativity relativity screws with the plot of um, of Infinity War. Then. You know what's a what's a what's a franchise a nerd franchise that deals with this problem very well? Go on. It's a Warhammer's a Warhammer it's, Forty Thousand. do not something you know you're that. a
1: fan of, Michael. I it didn't is something know that.
0: I'm a fan of, Ben. And th- this issue is one of the reasons I'm a fan of it because they don't do things on a universal scale. Except they do, but they don't really. How things so? Things happen on us. Well, let's say. There's an insurrection of uh, inducted human alien hybrids on a planet. Classic Warhammer conundrum. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Classic Warhammer issue. And um, mm-hmm. they'll send someone. Will send word to the the central government of the Empire of Mankind. Yeah. Not the central government actually, because that would take too long. The local government. Okay. So the the sheriff. Yeah, and then a strike force will arrive to deal with that problem. But because of the vagaries of space travel and stuff like that, they may well arrive three or four generations later.
1: Oh, so the insurrection could have been completely successful.
0: Oh, yeah. Or uh, a whole new civilization could have sprung up in place. Sprung
1: up in its place. Okay.
0: So Warhammer deals with it very well because it doesn't deal with human time frames. It deals with intergalactic inter, cosmic, at least inter yeah, cosmic timescales yeah yeah okay yeah. interesting anyway, that's my that's my little thing no so it's an interesting point listen? go on you you talk
1: now no 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 i just thought it was a really interesting point i think it's it's kind of interesting it but it, you do you are you are arguing with the suspension of disbelief exactly in in terms of that but i i kind of like it given that well there's very little physics actual physics at work in in avengers infinity war i think but um but I, I like it though, as a point that it's just—it's all a little bit too, it's all a little bit too coincidental with a pretty bow on it. Um, it does in,
0: in terms of time.
1: But I especially agree with your point in terms of Thor. The Thor side quest makes very little sense.
0: In terms of time and, and 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 space, but also in terms of motivation. But look, look at that Nando video. Let's Ben. We better move on. Oh, one other Sorry. thing, Ben, about Infinity yes. Wars because you know people were talking to us. I rewatched uh, Guardians One and Two recently. Yes. And remember last week when you were saying that Thanos was like a pinnacle of CG, and it's amazing how much performance they captured and everything in it. Yeah. How much of Joss Brolin is captured? I rewatched Guardians One and Two. Yes, and interestingly, as the CG is progressing, most of the other Guardians characters are uh, practical prosthetics, and Nebula has really gotten worse. She's gotten worse? Uh, As you know, Ben, I'm quite the Karen Gillan fan. You are. As all of our listeners know, and there's a a lot of Karen Gillan in Nebula in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. And then the second one, to make the prosthetic application easier, it became a full hood, basically. Okay. And then in Guardians of the Galaxy, when I watched it anyway, and I've, as you know, Ben, I've seen it several times. You have? Um, there's very little of Karen Gillen left. Oh, okay. Her so cheeks they've... are prosthetic. Her brow is prosthetic. There's basically none of Karen Gillen in the Nebula performance in Infinity War. Oh wow. Have a look the next time you see it. I will. I will. Um that's that's very interesting, Michael. Yeah, there's, there's, it, I, they're I stripping so. her back. Okay. Well they're overloading her with prosthetics, I think. For the sake of ease of application, they've they've lost some of the performance. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. hmm. Look, look, we'll talk about it another time. Ben, is there any okay. other news?
1: Um the 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 saga of... of Old man Stan Lee is, is kind of back, back in the news. Um, ben, he's a very old man. He's a very old man. He's, he's, he's the oldest man in comics. Um, that's probably not true, but he's certainly the most prominent old man in comics, apart from old man Logan. Ba-dum-bum. Oh, very good. Um, it was right there, right for the taking. And I can only yeah, reach low-hanging fruit because I'm only medication. about 5'8". <laughs> um, <yeah>. That's true. <laughs> so um, he released his first ever tweet, Michael um and that was released uh On May 13th at 4.02am, by our time, I think, by European time. Um, And it says, Today was the first day I ever did a tweet myself, which is the most old man sentence in the world to do a tweet. Um, Yes, I'd like to do a tweet. Did a tweet myself. Uh, Before today, my account was done by others. So someone has been screwing Stanley's account, which is just disgusting behaviour. I still do not have any control of my Facebook. Someone else is doing it, not me so oh. this this might seem unusual because
0: stanley has been tweeting for years michael um yeah but in the same way that um what's his name from star trek has been tweeting for years mm, the, the sad, sad oh god what's his bloody name you gotta the, help me the the guy everyone loves him the camp guy
1: I'm. I'm not. Oh, bloody, uh, bloody. Yeah, him. Blo- bloody, yeah. I know who exactly you're talking. Oh, hello, <laughs> Mr. Sulu. Yes, Mr. Mr. Sulu. Sulu. What's, what's um, his real name? Oh, George, take, his real George Takei. George Takei. George Takei. George Takei. Thanks, Ben. George Takei, is his name. Yeah, but it's just interesting. I think this is just you know another step in the in the big saga of of Stan Lee. I don't know. He just seems to be having such a difficult time at the moment.
0: Um, oh, ben, he's very old and as as cruel as it is he is dying yeah, but that's maybe we should all just leave him alone uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's <laughs> I don't entirely disagree with that to be honest um, I don't entirely disagree with that at
0: all stop making um, him do cameos yeah, that's a weird thing
1: that he's just kind of trotted out because everyone enjoys that now i don't know does anyone actually enjoy the the stanley cameos or is it just something they feel like they have to do
0: i think it's become a tradition now at this point hasn't it it's it's unavoidable yeah but it's is it is it necessary i don't think it's necessary but i mean he's also so close to death now that the first one after his death with the cameo is going to be huge news I right they're just going to cgi him surely they might well do. Like, who knows who owns the bloody rights I, I, to his likeness? And I think somebody like probably that.
1: does. It seems like it seems like somebody owns some part of him in every form. Yeah, um, that isn't him. Basically, he doesn't own much, but everybody else seems to. Um, anyway, anyway, I was just interested in that in terms of of that keeping going. It, it it piques my interest that such a huge figure in the comic book industry is is so. Um. He's so taken advantage of on such a regular basis. It's it's quite sad to me, um. But anyway, sure. Look, moving
0: on from there. Um. What, what do you think of Shane Black, Michael? What do you think? Do you think oh, of Shane Black? okay. This is a nice segue. Yeah. Um. I look. I liked Iron Man three. Ben.
1: Iron Man three was was great. Do you know what I liked more than Iron Man three? Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was a phenomenal film uh, which helped to kind of relaunch Robert Downey Jr.'s career. Love that one as well. Um, I also love The Other Guys with bloody Russell Crowe and, and Ryan Gosling. I thought it was one of the funniest
0: movies. Oh, that's movies very to come good, yes. Year. That was two years ago, I believe.
1: Oh, it was two years ago. Well, it was one of the funny, funniest movies to come came out two years ago. Um, really snappy, really funny. Um, I think he's like a better man's Joss Whedon, to be honest. I think he does. Um, Smart, uh, witty back and forth—that's actually has some teeth to it. Um, so I'm a huge fan of Shane Black, and uh, the good news is he seems to have been given the reins to the uh, Predator reboot.
0: Well, no, hold on. Are you? You are aware that Shane Black directed the original? Oh, did he? I no, didn't know sorry, No, sorry, wrote the original. Wrote the original. Oh, okay. Sorry, wrote I didn't know that. Sorry. And, and is in it. I, I did not know that at all. Yeah, he's in it. He's the nerdy oh. one damn age gap god damn it you see this is what i was doing i was saying i was going let's uh let's play our favorite game let's figure out when ben was born how old are you now i'm i am 27 next week you're 27 next week and next week. and it's now 2018 so you were born in 1991 i was very good so that was after predator came out oh so was I, it I,
1: okay so i don't even I have an excuse
0: yeah no well, no, you were born after it came out. The, the oh, came okay, out 19... fair enough. It came out in 1987. Oh, that's a long time ago. Not for me. Not, I remember. Well, well I didn't see it. It's a long it, time ben. ago for anybody, really, Michael. <laughs> um. <laughs> there are people spinning in their not-quite graves. And <laughs> no, anyway, John John McTiernan directed it, Ben. And, uh, oh, okay. Uh, and Shane Black kind of rewrote it and... Um, was in it yeah okay fair enough interesting but here's the other thing the new one is not a reboot it's a prequel it's a sequel what's the name for both a sequel and a reboot uh a seaboot uh, a seaboot so yeah it seems to be a sequel not oh, a... okay
1: that's interesting is it a sequel to the adrian brody thing
0: Yeah. because oh, that was okay. also a sequel okay. to predator but it's okay a C- oh no
1: so it's, it's a continuation yeah Okay, I thought it was I thought it was to be an attempt at a a, a reboot. Um no. my, my apologies. Um I'm optimistic. I didn't I didn't hate Preda- uh, the
0: Adrian Brody one was that Predators? That was Predators. That was much maligned and probably a bit unfairly maligned because it's actually a decent enough film it's there. Not a not
1: a bad sci-fi film. It doesn't really hold up in the Predator canon. I don't think. But
0: um Well, you can be very precious about what the Predator canon is. Like the, let's be honest, mm. there's one good Predator movie, Predator. And Predators is probably the next best.
1: Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was decent enough as a as a film. Um I'm kind of interested, I'm sure he's gonna get backlash at some point for his work on Alien Three. Shane Black, poor Elvis. Shane poor Black old old on Shane Alien Three? Um he was the director of Alien Three, wasn't
0: he? No, that was David Fincher.
1: Oh, it was David Fincher. Damn it, I'm all over the place. Did Shane Black do anything <laughs> with, with Alien Three? I don't second, think Shane Black had anything to do with Alien Three, Ben. The, oh, uh, shut I'm all over the place.
0: This is very good. I have to say, I'm really enjoying you. You being <laughs> off your note on medicine. This is. I don't, I don't like this. This at is giving all. us so much. This is so much material for Ben's retractions next week.
1: <laughs> you know the most terrifying thing about no, this is had, the second had, I had hang up on this long-distance bloody. I'm gonna end up having a I'm gonna end up having a bloody fictional conversation with David Fincher and Shane Black in my Italian apartment. It's gonna be terrifying. Um, I'm gonna be absolutely terrified when that happens. Yeah. So anyway, optimistically, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hope that uh, the new the pre- is it the predator is that what it's called the predator? Um, it's yes, gonna it's it's, it's, it's pre- kind of interesting. It's gonna be a, it. It looks like it's gonna be a father son family dynamic kind of thing um yeah and the then you have it. olivia
0: munn as a sexy scientist
1: i ah, but sure you'd have to have olivia munn somewhere wouldn't you um better a sexy scientist than a sexy bloody ninja um sure look, i don't know i think um, that was
0: very that was a wasted opportunity in in x-men apocalypse i think she would have been an ideal psylocke in a better movie
1: that's what i meant that's what i meant oh sorry is that, Silent that what you Silent meant? Olivia Munn? Um, yeah. bloody silent Olivia Munn she's better suited to being a sexy scientist where she actually gets some bloody lines um, and a bit of character motivation and who doesn't think that a cool mutant is one with wings and an alcohol problem um, but look if we start on bloody X-Men Apocalypse we'll never get through the podcast Michael so <laughs> let's let's go from there what do you think yourself anyway do you think it's going to be any good do we, I
0: think mean? the trailer was spectacularly generic but um, it, it's a real... Straight to DVD looking trailer, but as it you was said, actually well as you as you kind of said before you got very mixed up. <laughs> there, I think there's there's a, there's a there's enough history there that we can put our, our our trust in Shane Black. The only problem might be that the predator halfway through will be revealed to not be a predator and turn out to be an English actor in a suit. Oh and, oh oh hello! I'm actually not a predator. I'm I'm Brian. I'm from Liverpool. I've I've changed accent there in the middle of that sentence. Um oh, please don't kill me.
1: And we find out that it was actually um bloody Guy Pierce all along.
0: No it was uh, an alien all along <laughs> or Arnold or something new bloody knows Oh Shane Black. man terminator Shane Black <gasps> twist.
1: <gasps> Excellent. Excellent. Excellent Shane Black twist. Um Benjamin anyway, speaking of moving the on from there people, we
0: have w- which we weren't doing, but... <laughs> <laughs> let's just let's just fucking move on. Did, did you see a trailer for a Luke Cage? I did. I saw a trailer
1: for a Luke Cage. Yeah, um, what did you think of that? I am... Um, I think it might be a little bit better than, than the first season. Uh, sorry, I should, I should clarify that, that. It should be better than the second half of the first season. I thought the first oh, half good. of Luke Cage season one was excellent. And I thought... As soon as they got rid of spoilers for a series that came out a bloody while ago, a year and a half uh, ago. Yeah. I thought when they got rid of Cottonmouth, they kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, yeah,
0: you're right, Ben. That that next guy who they brought in, he was no good.
1: Um, no, I thought he was bloody the bloody half brother. I thought that was what's his name, Striker. Is that what they call him? Um, he was a waste, and having his his bloody deranged cousin take over, I think kind of annoyed me as well. I was like, okay, whatever. I thought he was a great villain. I thought he had a bit of room to to bloody go about his biz. Um, Anyway, I think it looks decent. Uh, There's a couple of things that I really liked about it. Um, It looks like they are not only acknowledging the weird Jesus parallel, um, but they're willing to take the almighty piss out of it by the looks of things. Um, It does
0: look like it's going to be a little bit funnier.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to rebrand themselves. Because I think think that tone may not have sat well with a lot of people. Um... Mm. Where towards the end he's just a righteous brother towards the end of it, and I'm not using that in a derogatory kind of sense, but he very much fulfills that role of black exploitation characters too well. um In that it was nice to have that black exploitation theme running through season one, um, right. but it's almost not even a an homage to it. It's a direct copy and paste of the black exploitation okay. team and the black exploitation team knowing. Yeah, because the Blaxploitation theme, while it's a nice nod to, uh, to New York in the 70s, is not actually that applicable to modern day black culture. It's kind of a little bit on the nose, almost. But that weird, strong black Jesus character doesn't really fit. And it seems that in this one, um, you see a, bla- a, bla- a backlash from the church, because the, the opening sequence of that trailer is narrated by what looks to be a preacher, of some no, kind No I, th-
0: I thought it was um, Bushmaster
1: No no it's not Bushmaster Who does the Opening narration Bushmaster is no, revealed To be the The antagonist But um, It's the It's a preacher Practising his sermon In the mirror um, Oh Ben I didn't Pick up on that I have to admit He's very against um, Luke Cage's comfort With being compared To a Jesus Type figure um, And Luke Cage's arrogance Can be seen Turned up to 11 Um in all of this, um, he's become exceptionally arrogant in his righteous brother role, um, which I found really interesting. Um, so I am cautiously, exceptionally optimistic for season two of Luke Cage. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, and I think the
0: villain looks absolutely fantastic. The villain does look good, very good. When I first saw it, I thought it was Bushman from Moon Knight. And I was like, oh my God, no, it's Bushman! But it's Bushman. It, it would have been
1: really interesting. But to be fair, Bushmaster is not traditionally a Luke Cage villain. Um, Bushmaster is traditionally a an
0: Iron Fist villain. Yeah, he has Luke Cage's um, powers though. Looks like he has Luke Cage's yeah. powers, but he has some sort of karate.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think... Uh, it's a bit of a departure from the original Bushman character. The original Bushman character was created Bushmaster. by our. Uh, sorry, Bushmaster character was created by Chris Claremont. Um, oh. Ben, I was really played hoping bloody... to mess
0: that up and say someone completely wrong. Shane Black. No, no,
1: no, no. I'm not that high. Um <laughs> he was he, um, <laughs> he was played by Shane Black in the 2020 movie uh Very Power good. Fist. Um but yeah. Um that's <laughs> uh just in case you think I am actually that high. I realized that was a bit. Um but it was originally played by two brothers, or he's hes a character embodied by two brothers um, from the Caribbean. So you can see that Caribbean influence in the trailer. He's clearly not from Datamerica. Um, yeah, and they're hint- he's hinting at somewhere. the
0: voodoo a little bit.
1: Oh, yeah. But I kind of dig that because when you look at um, kind of Luke Cage's powers, it's all scientific. He's a very scientific soul. Um, mm-hmm. Well, he's not a scientific soul, but his his powers are science-based. Um And I think he goes up against so many characters, and modern technology doesn't seem to be able to do much against him. Bullets bounce off. Um, He seems to be able to survive explosions a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure the shotgun blast from Jessica Jones Season 1 would have any effect this time around. That was was magic. Yeah, he seems to be extra powerful uh, this time around. So magic seems to be the only thing that really could uh,
0: take him for a whooping. Although that might be a little misdirect, because Bushmaster traditionally gets his powers from the same experiment as Luke Cage.
1: he does he's part of that whole thing the same with striker and diamondback and and those other things Mm. and they were all part of the same sequence but i think they might be jigging it around um i don't i don't know whether they're going to play with that um christianity versus voodoo kind of element um i would be surprised if they did but i'd be interested to see it pan out that way um, and then I think we have to, unfortunately, suffer through the bloody return of Cottonmouth's cousin, whose name I can't remember. Um, and they seem to Diamond be sticking Back. with that aw- uh, is that her name? Oh, um, Black and they, Yeah, that's it. And they seem to be sticking with that awful theme of of Harlem needs a queen. I, I thought that theme had run its course by the end of season one, but obviously it hasn't, and it's to make a comeback. Um, I would imagine what we're going to see is... Um, a very classic uh, post-colonial narrative where someone from outside of Harlem um, t- starts to take over and bloody Black Mariah and Luke Cage are going to be forced to make an alliance. Oh, very take good. Okay, yeah. Um, that That is to be my prediction. But I am looking forward to it because uh, Bushmaster looks quite interesting. Yes, um, it looks quite cool. And it looks like we're going to... Yeah, and we're going to see some interesting uh, themes of Black American identity versus black African identity uh, take hold. Ben.
0: Yep. Ben, 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 do you think they're going to deal with the click? Which click? Hang on. Ben's just having a big Thanos, you big dummy.
1: Oh, no, it's definitely pre-event two.
0: Everything's going to be pre Infinity War. Ben, let's wrap it up there on on this and move on to our main topic for the week. Our
1: main topic for the week. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we think anyway um, of the L uh, Luke Cage. Moving on to main topic of the week. Main topic of the week. Uh, so two weeks ago, Michael, um, yes. I treated you to a little a little a little pitch, a little pitch involving uh, DC's titular uh, ghost character, Dead Man um and when last we this we saw deadman in my pitch um he had just um he had just faced off against um rama kushnu and um he had just um kind of had his wings clipped a little bit he had tried to live in the body of a parisian to survive um and he came back yes. and uh, that body started to turn into this horrific kind of mangled ghost type character Um, and he was convinced by our good friend Loomis played by Idris Elba in this particular incarnation to come back and do the bidding of Rama Kushnu and the big mystery that we were left on in episode three um, is uh, that there's a someone in America going around mimicking the heroic acts of Boston brand and kind of turning them on their heads and inverting them and causing um, kind of massacres or death in the same vein. Um, so we still have to find out who that mysterious character is. And the other big cliffhanger that we have for that episode is we don't know how Loomis has come back from the dead. He was mortally wounded um, in episode three and we're not really sure how he's come back. So we're going to come straight in onto episode four. And uh, the okay. name of episode four is going to be really, really simple. It's going to be Tinker Tailor Soldier Dead is what we're going to call oh, very good. episode four. Uh, that's that's, that's a play our, on the classic book, Ben. It is a play on the classic book, which involves the different types of jobs that we have during wartime and how that can affect uh, ordinary men and women. And that's very much the theme of this episode. And women. So, oh, no, Ramakushnu um, is, and women, sorry, absolutely, absolutely, we here at the podcast are equal opportunists, uh, fictional screenwriters, and we like to give everyone a fair shake. Um, mm. So, Ramakushnu, is that how you as we've sort then? of found out now, is a little bit backhanded. Um, she's not quite the open, um, she's not benevolent deity that she pretends to be, okay? And here we're going to find out that she's not quite happy that Brand hasn't fully accepted his role yet. So for this episode, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to switch the pace a little bit. We're going to open on what's a very uncomfortable scene in Barcelona this time. Because you remember we're in Europe, Michael. We haven't gone back to that America yet. Uh, And we're going to open on a very strange scene in Barcelona. We're going to see... um, some knives we're going to see an occult ritual take place um, and there's going to be a lot of tension focused on the face of a young woman of about 16 years of age and unfortunately for this young woman she's not going to make it to the end of the opening sequence on this particular occasion we're going to see a large symbol splattered onto a wall in blood and what it's going to look like is it's going to look like two scales that are tipped in the wrong direction okay So we're keeping with our theme of balance, we're inverting it for the sake of this. Uh, And then we're going to snap to a man in prison, uh, facing seven days from death row, okay? Um, And this man has a name, his name is uh, Larry, and I'm never going to get this right, but I think it's Kluke, Larry Kluke, and he's not in um, Barcelona at all, he's in uh, Berlin. And Larry Kluke has been wrongly committed to this prison in Berlin for uh, murdering in an occult ritual. But he hasn't really murdered anyone at all. Um, So we're going to see him. And then we're going to flash to a woman who spits uh, at his face. um, Who spits at his face uh, in the glass. She visits him in prison, spits at his face, and she kind of curses at him. In Catalan. So we understand that she has some what link was, to the what, woman. What
0: would that sound like then? Uh
1: I have no idea because I don't speak a lot yeah. of Catalan. You're like, um
0: Dundee oh, that's probably just Spanish.
1: Yeah, be very, very careful, Michael. Be very, very careful. Um you will get us in a lot of trouble here. Um and we With understand our what's listeners. happening. And our Catalan listeners, exactly. They're very, they're numerous and many and, and very dedicated to the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. And then finally, we're going to be shown uh, one more person. There's going to be a man in a bar in Berlin. He's missing his legs. He's sitting in a wheelchair. And he's actually uh, a former lieutenant uh, called Elias Jones, a former lieutenant in Debt America. Lieutenant Dan. Um, and. We're going to find out where he comes from um, in just a second. But Boston Brand is going to be introduced to all three of, this char- of three of these characters and he's going to be told something very simple. You have to help them uh, find justice. Each one of these people has been done wrong by you have to help them balance their own lives and find justice. Okay? Right. So Ramakushna yeah. has shown him these three different characters. And um he's been shown that um he has to help them save their lives, okay, so we're gonna start <laughs> we're gonna start with uh Larry Kluke. so he enters into the body of Larry Kluke and instantly we're brought back to that vibrant color. So remember when dead man isn't possessing a body, he's in this world of gray blues. And greens, okay? And when he finally possesses someone, the world kind of takes on all this color again. That's going to be our kind of aesthetic no, very good. throughout the series, okay? Um, and what happens here is he realizes that this man, Larry Kluke, is an absolutely fantastic man. He's oh. a very strong man, he's a very good man. He's physically has, strong. Uh, yes, he's very big and scary. Um, and when Brand is introduced to him, uh, we see him getting beaten up. Uh, hmm. non-stop. So we see that he's not a violent man, even though he could be. He's a big oh, man. Okay, he's um, a good egg. And he's just taking the beating because he has no interest in being a violent soul. So what Bran does here is he begins to try and understand how Larry became convicted of this. And all Larry did uh, was was find the body of the poor murdered girl in the ritual. So Larry ah. just happened upon the body. Um, the weird sex while, ritual. Uh, absolutely. While he was in Barcelona. Um, and then what happened was uh, he panicked and he ran to Berlin. So what's actually happening now is um, he's been locked in prison in Berlin, um, and he's either going to be on death row or he's going to be—he's waiting for extradition uh, to Barcelona. It we'll, we'll yeah, probably go I, with. I,
0: yeah, I don't think Germany has death row yeah it probably I don't think many places
1: in Europe have death row but uh, this is actually all based on the 2000 and, oh I'm definitely going to get the date wrong there was a run called DC Universe Presents where they gave Dead Man a little six man a six part miniseries. Um, what? and what I like about this particular run in the Deadman canon is it finally shows Rama Kushnu to be less than trustworthy as a deity she's not some all powerful deity she's more of a petty demigod um with some month, so i wanted to work this into my arc and there's a nice uh he has a link to all these ordinary lives and i think it gives his character a nice understanding of uh humanity again and kind of links them to what he needs to do um so that's why i've chosen these particular characters so we can take away the death row run and just have him waiting for extradition to uh barcelona all right 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 okay um And Berlin suits us here because our soldier character is in Berlin. He's lost his leg somewhere um, and he's now stationed <laughs> in... No, no, well, I'm going to
0: explain where he lost his legs. There's a reason no, he's No, but missing. it sounds like you're just saying he's misplaced his leg. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he's right, lost we're... his leg somewhere on the train, possibly... <laughs>
1: no unfortunately not Uh, and they're in the same city so basically how this all pans out Michael instead of instead of wasting your time trying to go through it blow by blow with you um, Idris is not going to be much or Loomis is not going to be much help here because Ramakushnu does not allow it she wants Brand to go through this himself to understand himself that he needs to balance the scales Mm -hmm. Um, and what's going to become uh, very clear is basically um Larry Kluke, the man in prison, uh, will eventually die uh, in an accident being transported from um, Berlin to... uh, Sorry, he won't die in an accident. He'll die in prison because people will think he's a child murderer and they'll murder him in the prison. No, like Freddy Krueger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And the way that Brand will find this out, he'll possess his body to make him fight back. Yeah, after he's died. And... Absolutely, uh, and it'll be too late. The body will die, and he will fight them off. Um, but Larry's soul will have left the body nah, by the time no good. that he manages to do that. So that's no good. Um, what he will realize is uh, that this man knew the soldier, Elias Jones. Elias Jones is important here because he has actually been given a dishonorable discharge. He is the only survivor um, of a military operation in Iraq. Of a military operation, he's the only survivor of his troop, and his troop were actually uh, murdered by a mysterious man um, with uh, powers who painted the same symbol that we saw in this ritual in Catalan on the wall. Um, And then finally, we uh, so unfortunately for Larry, Larry will um, die uh, at the hands of more followers of this kind of cult ritual. Um, because he survived and he won't what a bunch and, of cultists yeah Bran won't uh, put the pieces together and he'll find his dead body in the apartment um, he won't get there in time so even though he's a supernatural being he won't get there in time and finally we'll come back to the mother whose name is Laura Hernandez um, and she's going to commit suicide oh no, good um, because she misses her daughter so much um, and Bran will possess her and try to stop her uh, but every time he leaves her body she'll go back to the same suicidal impulse okay oh, no. and and what this lesson teaches us is that um teaches us is that well first of all it gives brand's character a new push in terms of a new motivation in terms of he's going to get extremely angry his short temper is going to get even angrier with um with Ramakushnu, he's going to confront her in the next episode and ask why on earth she asked him to intervene in these people's lives um, if he couldn't help them, okay, Mm -hmm. Um, and this is really important here, Uh, and the the kind of theme, if you remember from last week, the theme was that uh, we're going to have kind of the seven stages of grief. And in this one, it's very much negotiation and how negotiation doesn't work. Anyway, moving on from there, at the
0: end of this episode... Oh, is each episode going to be one of the seven stages?
1: No, not necessarily, but we're going to have a rough approximation. Sometimes we'll combine two in each one. Anyway, at the end of this ben, one... do you like it yes. rough? Is that how you got uh, your back? I mean... I mean, I like my series a bit rough. Oh, um, and that's, that's not necessarily how I hurt my back, Michael. Um, that's a terrible <laughs> accusation. But anyway, who he meets um, at the end of this um, yes. is a woman. And this woman can see him whether he is possessing someone or not. That's and she an unusual approaches him, thing. Absolutely. And she approaches him saying it must be difficult arguing with a woman who doesn't want change. Mm. Um, and this is very mysterious. And it turns out that this woman is going to be another demigod, and it's going to be played by Miss Amelia Clark. Amelia um, Clark. Amelia Clark. We're going to have Amelia Clark because she likes television. She's not against it at all. Um, mm-hmm. And she's cute and unsuspecting. And she's going to be. Um, now, I'm going to get this wrong. She's going to be the Greek goddess Aristetes. Um, and the Greek goddess Aristetes is a daughter of Ares, and she is a goddess of imbalance.
0: Oh, very good.
1: And when she meets um, Boston Brand, she's going to make him question more of Ramakushnu's actions. And she's going to say that, how can you trust a goddess that only wants balance when change is the one thing that causes imbalance? So he's so disillusioned with this, and she kind of explains that Ramakushnu actually doesn't want any kind of change at all. um, Because that is balance. To have equilibrium is to have very little change so she's more or less making sure that things stay the same and she's not actually as motivated by justice as he seems to believe now Mm. what we don't understand and what happens when we see this woman leave is that she has that symbol of the imbalance scale um, and that's her symbol so this, this, will, this will give us um, a little bit. And finally, at the end of this, Benjamin, we'll see, sorry for a
0: moment to interrupt you there. Does she no have problem. some sort of sexy outfit?
1: Uh, no, she's just wearing a really simple... See, Aristides moves with the times. She is a big agent of change. So she's a very modern woman in how she's dressed and things like that. I mean, she can be slightly sexy if you want. Yay! Um, but when we see Ramakrishna, she's always in traditional kind of Hindu dress... Okay Uh, Bright colours Vibrant things like that But Aristides is very much uh, A goddess of change So she moves with the times As much as possible What we don't realise is When she leaves Boston Brand She travels to That America That America Where we come upon Another massacre Um, And She says Very very simply There's a man Covered in blood there It's the same young man That we followed In the first three episodes Oh that guy yeah and he is actually in a prison that has been completely slaughtered in data America. So, again, really? we're mimicking the actions that Boston Brand tries to save. And she says, very simply, to end this episode, she says, Cleveland Brand, you have done exceptionally well. <gasps> ah, so, this is the big reveal. Uh, Cleveland Brand is, of course, the brother of Boston Brand, who oh, is still good. alive. Okay. Now, who so, we him? could... Uh, who would play him well now so I have kindly, kind of I have finally kind of come up with um, a character who I feel could maybe play Boston Brand and that was Jay Courtney I settled on Jay Courtney Jay Courtney um, yeah but far more in his role as Captain Australia or Captain Boomerang Captain
0: <laughs> <Australia>.
1: <laughs> as Captain Boomerang than as uh, you know normal boring Jay Courtney um, I think his name is Jai J- okay Jai Courtney I, never mind I, I'm
0: not sure I think it is though
1: J. Jai um we can, we can do either one um, yeah. but it's going to be him and then I think the person that could maybe play his younger brother um, is possibly your Matt Bomer kind of character very handsome but very twisted in this particular iteration um, okay because he can I, do crazy I don't know if you were, ever
0: seen when you were describing him I was picturing Bill Skarsgård I'm totally
1: okay Oh that's actually way better Than anything I could have done So we can go back to um, We can go back to Bill Skarsgård there We'll just have a complete um, Recasting there No problem Bill Skarsgård is a perfect choice um, I've fucking run out of time again Michael I'm really bad at this No um, we good have got 10 minutes I've got ten minutes. Okay, fair you've enough. You've got
0: twelve. You've got eleven and a half minutes. But we'll push through it so I've been explaining. it's
1: it's going to be a, a six episode series, by the way, because it's it just gets a bit convoluted in between that. Um, so we're going to go on to episode five, and um, it's going to have a really simple name. Oh my brother, what have you done? Um, it's going to be the not name. Not a simple of this. name, Ben. That's a complicated uh, name. Okay, okay, fair enough. We'll move on <laughs> from from there. Um, so anyway. What we find out in the next episode is really, really simple. We're back in Paris. Uh, Loomis is having a conversation with um, Brand, who is completely falling apart here. He's witnessed a woman commit suicide. He's witnessed a good man die. And he's witnessed that he basically failed horribly um, in his tasks. This is all very disillusioning for him. It's very depressing yeah well i mean it's it's you know it's death man you don't get to argue with death this is this is the whole theme you oh, know really you can't you can't mess with the balance um and so anyway um Aristides at the end of the last episode um told him that to to kind of have some say in what happens to him he needs to go to a bar in london okay, okay. and this bar is called crowley's keep Um, which is a nice little tie-in to Alistair Crowley who is a famous occultist in Victorian London and as we all know Ben loves a bit of Victorian London I'm a big fan Um, so uh, he's going to have to travel to London uh, to visit this bar and this bar is unique because it's where all the occult forces of Europe kind of go to socialise and drink think of your think of the Korean bar in Black Panther but with lots of spooky magic people okay um, Okay. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we're aiming for here uh, but he has a problem the bar has really 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 strict um, magic things and ghosts can't actually enter without setting off um, kind of a
0: <laughs> really, rune- really really strict magic things right Okay. Uh, magic you.
1: restrictions sorry you have to basically abide and wear a special bracelet when you enter that deactivates okay, any mystical power you might have so right. because Loomis only has a loose connection to the occult in that he can see the dead and you know use magic mm-hmm. what brand wants him to do is he wants him to go in deactivate the rune and um at, so brand can go in and find and what brand is looking for here is the tome of his life go and on. this seems really unusual but what what the bar is famous for is underneath the bar is an ancient kind of uh, Indian
0: burial site
1: no, not quite. It's actually an ancient Roman uh, carol site um, where they keep the tomes of life. It's a kind of a Christian parable thing, but we'll get to that as we go along. This episode is going to be a little bit more fun because we've had a Yay. very, depressing, we've had a very depressing theme before that. So it's going to be more of a heist episode with some very macabre imagery. Um, when we go to this bar, we're going to see um lots of different kind of occult creatures and the reason that a we're introducing a, a skeleton or two uh, yeah. some vampires some werewolves and the reason we're introducing this is is basically to kind of world build a little bit more to show that ghosts are not the only thing ghosts and zombies are not the only thing happening here um and we're going to do all that um so the mission is going to be a success overall but unfortunately loomis this is where loomis is going to die
0: oh no loomis um,
1: whatever else he had he's going to die because Ramakushnu finds out uh, as this is going on that Brand is going against her will and she Be- Loomis is going to have his kind of his big moment where he's either going to help his friend or he's going to go against the woman that's keeping alive and obviously Loomis because he's a real good egg is going to choose to help Boston and as punishment for that she takes away his um, she takes away his power okay oh, and he dies All the yeah, but it's going to be an interesting episode. Um, when he goes down to the cavern, when Bran finally gets down to the cavern, um, he's going to meet um, he's going to meet a very interesting character that won't make an appearance until season two, if we ever get to season two. But he's going to meet the uh, the son of the morning, uh, which is uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Lucifer. But anyway, he gets yeah, pretty much. He gets his he gets his book um, his book of life. Um, Which is going to help him combat Ramakushnu because it gives him some agency in his own existence again. And when he finally Mm. reads the book, he realizes that he was supposed to die and pass on. So Ramakushnu has intervened uh, in his destiny and he's been kept on the earth against his will. And now that he possesses the book, um, he possesses some level of power over his own agency again. Now... He delivers his book to Aristides, who requested it as payment for his help. Okay? And this is a huge problem. Okay? When he finishes, um, he meets the ghost of Loomis. Loomis! Um, who tells him um, that all is not well in that America. Uh, okay. And there's a, a force of evil crossing across that America. And he it's shows him that it's his brother, Cleveland. And this is where the name of the episode comes. My brother, what have you done? Um, that's where this comes from. Um, and more importantly, we get a huge flashback into Boston's abusive, terrible past.
0: Oh, okay? yay. Depressing.
1: Um, and we understand that what actually happened here and why, why Brand is in Europe is that he ran away from America and from that life. And he abandoned his brother, Cleveland. Uh, to do this okay so that's where this all comes from it's kind of you know the prodigal son returning so he has to go back to death america to confront his brother and try and save him uh so we move on to um the final episode of season one um which is um i haven't actually come up with a great name uh for this one But we could... That's a good name. I
0: haven't come up with a great name for this one.
1: (laughs) We could call it agent of imbalance if you want. We could call it that one because uh, Brand is supposed to be an agent of balance. He can be the agent of imbalance. Um, Ben, that is
0: a gigantic water bottle you're drinking from.
1: It's very big, but very necessary because I am exceptionally dehydrated. I'm sweating because the medication is messing with my brain. I feel like I've got a fever, Michael. This is all very tough so <laughs> we open on the next one uh he's on a plane he's um he's in the form he's Who? possessed someone's body to travel boston brand oh boston um, brand okay. boston brand and ramakushnu has taken over the body of the woman next to him and they're having a massive argument about what this means and we find out in this she realizes that he's been interacting with aristides um who is the thing. And she says, you should never have trusted Aristides. And he says, she was more honest with me than you ever were. Blah, 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 blah. So. Great he finally, dialogue. He Stunning finally, dialogue. <laughs> I, I, I really take my time to write dialogue quite well. <laughs> um, and what we find out here is yes. exactly why um, Cleveland has been, Cleveland brand has been chosen. Uh, and he has been chosen to be the agent of imbalance um to brand's balance. And Aristides has an axe to grind with Ramakushnu because she basically undoes all the work that Aristedes does. She reorders things. So they don't like each other very much, obviously. Um, and she has her own agent, and this agent has a long and twisted history, and we find out that Cleveland Brown is possessed by her agent. So she uses a ghostly agent just like
0: Oh, it's not Ramakushnu.
1: him. So it's not, even, it's not even his brother. His brother isn't the evil that's doing this. What it actually is is the clown. The clown is the name of the spirit that possesses um, thing. And what the clown actually is, it comes from a really famous um, graphic novel in 1996 uh, called Death and Glory, where uh, Batman was possessed by this agent of evil. Mm. Um, and it has so he has a historical precedent the clown in dc comics is actually boston brand's exact opposite um within the dc universe um and the clown is actually it's a really unusual guy um he was a circus clown um in switzerland who turned um informer for the nazis oh very um, interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting, traitorous kind of character. And when he died, um, he was offered this ability to... uh, Basically, when he became an informer, he then later became an enforcer, and he later became an SS officer. He's a bloody Nazi 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 clown. Yeah, it's a Nazi clown, basically. I really liked it. Um, But you'll remember in the first... Uh, in the previous, in part one of this particular pitch, I said that I had Doug Jones in mind for another character. I had Doug Jones in mind for the clown character. He's going to be the evil oh, spirit good. in this particular one. So basically, the way this works is that Boston Brand is going to have to confront the clown, but obviously the clown is possessing his brother's body, so he's going to have to pull all his punches. And what we find at the end of season one is that Boston Brand is going to lose. To the oh, clown. no. Because the clown has been around much longer. The clown has been around since around 1945. So he's far better used to possessing people and using their body in the right way. And when we see the clown fight, it's going to be extremely twisted. We're going to see Bill Skarsgård's body twisted in lots of different ways
0: and kind of, although, again, yeah. Although, Ben, if 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 it is if this thing, now we, I didn't know this before, but if this thing is a clown, Bill Skarsgård might be a bit on the nose.
1: Yeah, well, th- now it's a Pennywise thing, so we might we might be able to go back to Doug Jones, maybe. Maybe we can just go back to Doug Jones in general. No, Doug Jones is a of... clown. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't... Okay, we'll have to find a different actor to play the brother then. Okay. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Maybe, maybe Jai or Jay Courtney has a younger brother that we can stick in the role. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, what's basically going to happen here is uh, Boston is finally going to understand how much power certain spirits can have in this world. You'll remember at the end of, of episode... Um, Four, um, he felt very powerless, but the clown has had years of experience, and he can actually augment human bodies to be super powerful or super strong, and he can twist their bodies into new forms and things like that, Um, and unfortunately for Boston, he has to watch his brother uh, become this twisted, mangled version Of himself. Because Niklan bends him to his will. Um, And eventually Brand loses. And we're going to have our kind of set up for season two. Where he's going to have to master his powers. And come back. And he's going to have to forge an uneasy alliance with Ramakushnu. We could equally do this in a season one arc. If you wanted. We could extend it to eight episodes or ten episodes if you really wanted to and that could be our mid-season point but that's really as far as i wrote um before succumbing to acute back failure and (laughs) mild medication induced dementia um but i think there's some interesting elements there i think it it could potentially be something we haven't seen on television before if we got used to using prosthetic effects to do all the body horror and cosmic horror elements that i want to work in as we go um but yeah that's my pitch that's my pitch for Dead Man. So you get a really odd twisted kind of horror first season and we we'll see what we could do. Ben, anyway, what um yes.
0: what shows is I mean tonally there's a bit of there's a bit of uh, legion in there. A, a hint, oh, a, hint of, a hint of supernatural as well in certain ways
1: yeah and there's a few there's a few moments of i I was thinking far more american horror story season one oh very good yeah, yeah. one and two kind of the more scary elements of things once we get back to america once we push him back to that america it would take a far more backwater you know americana feel to it you know crossroads deals and and that kind of thing um because I do feel that that American Gothic aesthetic would suit it once we get back there, and it would also be a nice homage to the Kelly Jones run and Mike Barron run, because all of
0: their stories took part in the Deep South. Um, Pinch, can shall we throw it out to the listeners and see who they think would make a good, uh, yeah, please good Boston Brand or a good uh, Cleveland Brown yeah absolutely <laughs> Cleveland Brown um, absolutely
1: please let us know down below what you think um, and please let us know if you would be interested in seeing this series do you think um, What? how do you think season 2 should pan out or do you think we should just keep it in a nice tight season 1 if you're interested let us know down below please um, we'll put both these episodes in a playlist for you to listen
0: to at your convenience um, don't forget to let us know Ben, before we go, give us some recommendations for someone who might want to read something about a dead man. Oh, to read a dead man,
1: absolutely, death and glory is is kind of required reading for a dead man. It's it's great fun to have a read of. Um as I've told you before, any of the Kelly Jones, Mike Barron stuff is absolutely fantastic it's great fun to uh, read away on and then he Justice League Dark Justice League Dark um, especially the first two trade paperbacks of Justice League Dark give you some great insight into Boston Brand's character as kind of a, an ego maniac or a narcissist that's where i got a lot of his characterizations from so take a look at Justice League Dark Justice League Dark is great because it has Constantine it has Zatanna it has a little bit of Shade the Changing Man. Uh, you get a real look at DC's occult undertones. Um, and
0: w- was there a movie?
1: Justice League Dark, there was an animated movie. Um, there was an animated movie, and they stuck Batman in there as well, because Batman sells. The movie is a little bit tame. The comic book has some really twisted kind of artwork and some quite macabre tones in it as well. So I would recommend, for any, especially for any horror fans that like the horror elements of this pitch... Um, Justice League Dark the comic book the first two trade paperbacks are swell um, so give them a look give them a look-see anyway that's all from us for this week let us know down below if you liked it uh, a-men or a-women um, moving on so let us know down below like like, subscribe and and. oh yeah. god I'm so drug-addled <laughs> um, <laughs> alright bye
0: <laughs> bye <laughs>